English Ministry Podcast. Podcast. All right, and we are rolling. Hey, thanks for joining me, man. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me, John. Um, just how's it been being back in Georgia from New York? Yeah, no, I think whenever I visit, I got back a couple of days ago. Um, being from Georgia and now, you know, in New York, yeah. you kind of miss the wide open spaces. I was walking down the right. aisle of Whole Foods and holding out my hands and like, I'm not touching anything. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I think just, yeah, I was, you know, just, uh, you're always the same way we feel about driving through traffic in Atlanta. Mm. It's what it's like walking and you're, you're constantly <laughs> navigating that, negotiating that yeah. open public space. With yeah. So everything's public. Yeah. And so anytime in public, I mean, just look, I look out there, there's a parking yeah. lot. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so just space is a big thing. Yeah. This. Private spaces, private spaces are small, apartment space. Um, so even having your own car to drive around in where you right. can do whatever right. you want in your car, sing, pray, yeah. listen to stuff. Yeah. Like that's, that's but, nice. Like when you're, but when you're in that environment, you kind of readjust to that, right? And that becomes the standard or sure. that becomes like a norm. Yeah. So it's not like you constantly reminisce the space no, in Georgia. No, you just go with it. Yeah. 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 And even <sighs> the, the walking you do, because you don't drive everywhere in New York, like you, mm-hmm. you walk a lot, subway, mm-hmm. um, that also becomes a norm, right? No one's like complaining, like, oh man, all this cardio I'm doing, <laughs> I could be, I could be driving. I, right? No one really. Well, it's different. I mean, it's just, and instead of when you think about going hang out with somebody and you're like 20, 30 minutes, okay. Yeah. 45 to an hour, okay, oh, maybe not that often. Sure. Right? In New York, it's distance. It's yeah. how many transfers is that? Yeah, um, yeah. There's jokes about how, like, across certain boroughs, yeah. however long it takes, is a, that's a long-distance yeah, yeah, yeah. relationship right yeah. there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Did I tell you I was in New York a few weeks ago? Uh, like about a month ago so, for a yeah. wedding? Okay, that's right, in Long Island, right? Yeah, yeah, New York Institute of Technology, hmm. NYIT or something. Yeah, that's right there in Columbus Circle. I didn't New even know tech. that the New York oh, no, had no, no, a... no, you were in Long Island. That's the main yeah. campus. Yeah, so uh, we took the long, I think the, the Long Island rail uh-huh. all the way to the end um, oh, wow. from the city okay. and then took Uber to the campus where the wedding was. Okay. And okay. Um, was I was a coefficient with, okay. uh, do you know Mark? Past, uh, Mark Rowe yeah. at Joy. Yeah. Yeah. So the couple attends that church. Okay, cool. Yeah. So that's how I met him for the first time. Okay. Uh, he seems like a cool guy. Yeah. Um, Mark's great. And I think he's in the same Presbytery as uh, all of the New York guys. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he was at Redeemer. Right, right, right. Um, yeah. Yeah. He anyway, still be in the so, so I was in town for the wedding, and the couple were, were kind enough to put us in a hotel in the middle of the city okay um and because i told i told the groom like this is my first time in new york okay and he was like oh then you got to see everything you gotta you gotta go to central park you gotta (laughs) go to you know the freedom tower all that Uh um chinatown so i was actually like looking forward to doing that for like half a day or uh, one day before the wedding okay so we flew in but as i was flying in 
I was feeling this fever beginning to like kick in and by the time I got to we got to the hotel oh, no. there was like this headache starting to but because you know it was such a treat and we're there I, I told Lynn we got to still venture out there and try to try to visit a couple of spots so okay. we ended up Central checking Park. out we we went to Rockefeller Center first okay I was hoping the Christmas tree would be up by then but it wasn't mm-hmm. we took a selfie anyway <laughs> and then we walked over to Times Square okay because you know it's Times Square yeah um but by then my headache was like really like killing me mm. and I'm and then we got to Times Square like screens everywhere lights <laughs> everywhere and I'm just like throbbing I have one thought and Uh I've told my church members this literally one thought in my head I said in my mind I miss Petrie Corners Georgia (laughs) (laughs) so bad I see Um, I used to live right there yeah I've never missed Georgia more than that moment I was standing in the middle of Times Square Um, but I want to go back when I'm healthy and just give it a fair shot and didn't even get to go to Chinatown. Like, that's another thing I okay. really wanted to go and try the Hong Kong food and mm. try the Hong Kong milk tea and everything. But um, I've been told by Canto friends it's not all that. Really? <laughs> yeah. Well, you'll have okay. to come. You'll have to do that. I've we'll heard talk some about that. also comparison between the, the cities, Chinatown, and then Flushing. Yeah. Um, yeah. And Brooklyn has one as well. Okay. Okay. So there's actually three Chinatowns. Okay. So, yeah. One of these days I hope to make it back and um, get, give it a fair shot. Um, oh, that stinks. But um, for you, though, uh, I was I was kind of asking you about this a little bit earlier, but um, do you still feel like home is here and work is in New York kind of thing? Or yeah. do you feel like at this point, New York is also kind of like a semi-home? Um, it's a great question. I don't know if I fully thought through that. I think uh, home, I think... Home is, I mean, there's obviously there's lots of ways to talk about the word home, right? There's like... Love it. Yeah. Let's go. There's deep... Let's go deeper. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I, yeah. At some, you totally. know, like, like the, the place where you come back to and you yes. proverbially let your hair down and yes. get into your sweatpants and yeah, I mean, I think at this point, almost five years in New York, mm. you know, New York is home in that sense. Mm, mm, mm. Uh, I've moved around three times now in New yeah. York. I just moved to, um, I moved from kind of where Times Square is to yeah. right across the water in Queens. Cause yeah. It's called, it's so confusing. It's called Long Island City, but it's nowhere close to Long Island. It's in Queens. Okay. Okay. It's like the closest part of Queens to huh. Manhattan. So there's like two different Long Islands? No, it, it's complicated, but... okay. Queens, I think, used to be a part of Long Island. Oh, okay. Now it's separated. Queens is actually a borough of New York City. I see, I see. Long Island's its own thing out there. Okay, gotcha. Um, it's adjacent. But, uh, yeah, so I, I live right across the water. Okay. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I think, but, you know, I think just in terms of, like, living situation, I think even for most people, like, uh, most people that are transplants in New York mm. don't end up staying in New York. Mm. You know, most people are there for work or school. And uh, I don't think, yeah, most people don't prefer to live in tight spaces paying exorbitant amounts of money. <laughs> um, yeah. So, so yeah, I think, I think yeah. yeah, in terms of rhythms of life, in terms mm. of, yeah, there are a lot of things like just where, um, 
It definitely is. Uh, you know, since I'm shaped by that, I moved there mm-hmm. in my early 30s. Mm-hmm. Uh, living, in, I think, somewhere like Atlanta is always going to be more comfortable mm. than, say, New York City. Yeah, but yeah. There's, there's definitely differences. There's definitely things but that... But you've, you've settled fairly well at, at this point and mm-hmm. acclimated to that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. um, you say you've been there five years now. Almost five. And when you first moved there, how old were you? Uh, I was like early 30s. I think I was 32, 33. 32. Okay, so like, yeah, that's like your all my life was Atlanta before. That. Right, right, right. But then, but then your 30s, like your your first half of the 30s, could be also a very formative time. Um, how do you think your? Let's just narrow it down to just your spiritual formation. Okay. Like, being at you started at Redeemer. Mm-hmm. Now you attend Exilic, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So just yeah, church life in New York, okay. Um, ministry in New York and just fellowship in New York. Mm. Spiritual mentors in New York. How's that shaped you? Do you think looking back? Yeah. Wow. Is there such a thing as like a New York kind of spirituality or culture that is unique, and and how that has shaped you? I think that's a tough question. Uh, I mean, an answer for myself, but yeah. Um, you know, there's so many different New Yorks. Hmm. Right? This is such a one. It's such a just in terms of size. Sure. Um, yeah. Yeah. Such a huge city. Uh, if you look up Atlanta proper, actually not really big. You've got to factor in all the sprawling yes. suburban parts of it to you know what we think about Greater Atlanta. Yeah. But, yeah. New York City itself, five boroughs, massive city, also a very international city. And mm-hmm. so, you know, you'll get so many different answers when you ask people about yeah. a New York. Yeah. You know, I, I struggle even to talk about a New York church, too. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, I think uh, it's been said that in many ways, New York City has been helped and revitalized faith wise by many immigrants that have moved to New York. So mm. on one hand, you have increasing secularization. On the other hand, you have you know, lots of immigrants coming and bringing their Christian faith and raising their children in, it, in yeah. New York City. And yeah. so, you know, one pastor I really respect, his name is Evan Cologne. He talked about distinctly two kinds of ministry. Mm. I'll, get, I'll, I'll weave back into the question, which mm. is yeah, yeah, first yeah. city and second city. So first mm. city would be churches and ministry that minister to like local New Yorkers, most people of which do not live in Manhattan, live in the outer boroughs, the Bronx, Brooklyn, Queens, Staten Island. Mm. Those are like the real New Yorkers, born and bred, went to high school gotcha. there. Yeah. That's first city. Gotcha. Second city, that's like all the transplants. Gotcha. Right? Yeah. They're here yeah. because they're chasing their career. But still make up a good chunk of New York's demographic and For sure. Yeah, at, at least culture. for Manhattan. Yeah. yeah. And so you know, you have that. I mean, I think most people in our circles, in the PCA circles, that have churches in Manhattan, those are going to be mostly second city people, and gotcha. I myself included, right? And so I think, um, you know, I think, yeah, I, um, you know, if you look at the PCA in New York, uh, a lot of that's going to be transplants. Gotcha. Okay. And so, so anyway, so as far as spirituality, you know, I've been grateful for. Uh, the mentors I've had in New York, um, and, um, getting ordained by Tim Keller. (laughs) No, no, I don't know if I was going to make it to that, but no, 
Uh, no, no, it was installed at a Redeemer. Yes. And, right, um, you, were, you were ordained um, here. prior to that, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, yeah. I was just so kidding. He, he <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was really cool. He was part of the... Installation service. Yeah, he, he made an appearance for that. And, yeah. Um, we had a brief conversation before that, too, which is really... I always remember, but um, yeah, I, I think I think it's been uh, spirituality-wise. I think you know it's been learning to see God in ways that you haven't seen before, especially in a mm. new and fast-paced city. Mm. And, um, mm. You know what it means to. This is big for a lot of New Yorkers. What does it mean to balance work and rest, which I'm still very much working on, mm. and uh, finding peace in the midst of a frenetic Mm. pace city um so Mm. yeah i think um it's made me all the more treasure i think times of solitude Mm. and uh you know i think this may not be true for every christian i've always been important for me to have a, a space that i can go to consistently for prayer yeah and so that's just gonna look different in new york city yeah um yeah I even tried out going to a monastery. Mm. You know, I don't know if freak out some listeners, but I went yeah. to a monastery a couple times, yeah. and it was great. You know, I think I think it just so much of it, uh, at least for me, is it's been important to punctuate those times in the city with the times outside the city. You didn't come back speaking in tongues or something. <laughs> no, it was um, it, it was. I felt like a Disney princess there, actually. <laughs> There were a lot of these, all these animals and just unbothered nature. You didn't come back like Doctor Strange with, with special powers. <laughs> I wish. <laughs> I really wish. That's uh, cool, so, though. So yeah. I think I think that's a, you know, I mean, I can't do it. I mean, I think plenty of others that are from New York that call it home. But I think mm. just as important for my spirituality, while in the city, is also that outside, mm. Mm. and that includes. Um, you know, leaving the city just yeah. for somewhere yeah. a bit more quiet or more nature yeah. Yeah. or upstate New York for that, you know, those trips to the monastery. Yeah, but, yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah, I think, um, but you know, while you're in the city, I mean, one of the things that um, I'm going to connect kind of public life and spirituality, which is mm. uh, so much of life, it's it's out there. It's right in front of you publicly. Like mm. You'll... It's not very hard. You can spend some time on TikTok and see all sorts of crazy things that happen in New York City. Sure. And, um, and they're all true, and I've all seen them, and they're everyday thing. But, mm. um, you know, I think one of the things that living in suburban, I mean, I, I lived in suburban Atlanta here, is you can kind of pick and choose what you interact with every day. Yeah. Right? Be- between the people you see at work and your, the people, you know, your family at home and where you choose to live, mm-hmm. you know, including gated communities, you can kind of pick and choose. It's very limited, the kind of people you see. But mm. in New York, because there's everything's so public and there's public transportation is how you commute, yeah. you're, you're going to hear different languages every day. You're going to see um, mental breakdowns. You're going to see hard to see things involving homeless people mm, mm. Um, or just straight up crazy people. So <laughs> it's, uh, mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. it's, I think what I appreciate about that is there's no hiding from that as a mm. fact of life. Mm. Like you've got to do something with that. Like yeah. you've got to 
have categories in your heart or rather your spirituality for the poor, mm. uh, for those that are mentally not well, uh, for those that are not from, mm. um, that, you know, at least in a public space, aren't speaking English. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, yeah I think, yeah. I think in that's way that it is good that it yeah. can challenge if you let it, yeah. Yeah. it challenges sometimes how we tend to shrink God. Yeah. And therefore, our own hearts and spirituality. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and that's so, good. So anyway, th- those are two thoughts. Yeah, no, that's Solitude good. Solitude and public space, but that's that's really good. I mean, um, one of the things that I think I started to find myself needing to encourage our members more here is going beyond our sort of um, familiar culture. Um, which is mostly Asian American or Korean American, okay. to to engaging with your neighbors who are non-Asians mm. or part of a different socioeconomic condition, people who are actually in your neighborhood, um, because here it's it's pretty easy to ignore them mm. or do life not engaging with any of those neighbors. Mm-hmm. Um, but then that, I think, does stunt or does hinder our spiritual maturity or uh, understanding of the, the kingdom and things like that. But it sounds to me like in New York, that necessity is like heightened or, or it's even greater like because there's such a visible part of like just your public space. Mm. Um, and it's therefore more like incumbent on the, the, the ministry you're in, the church you're part of, to engage your neighbors um, and have that kind of, whether it's mercy ministry or outreach, or that becomes a challenge for a lot of, I think, more monocultural um, contexts or immigrant church contexts. Um, yeah, it sounds to me like, like in New York, that would be harder to hide from, or, or is it? to kind of withdraw from that kind of... Um, I don't know if it's all that different, but I, I just want to affirm mm. the just the goodness of that. Um, I think... Sure. Um, you know, I think in God's wisdom, there are lots of different churches and different kinds of churches. And so um, there, there's important kinds of community and fellowship yeah. and spiritual life together with those that are like you um, beyond, uh, you know, sharing common faith yeah. and there's like common needs and interests. And so I just want to affirm the goodness yes. in that. And, and in some ways, uh, there, there in certain things in certain areas, you can actually go deeper mm. in those areas. Right. So yes. like if, yeah. if I'm ministering in a multi-ethnic context, I'm always dealing at a very surface level because I'm always caring about what's a common common denominator. Yeah, yeah. And I don't really get to go deeper into like yeah. Asian issues or black right. issues or right. Right. white issues, right? Um, and so, so I want to affirm the goodness in that and how, you know, part of in God's yeah. wisdom how He yeah. made that. Yeah, for sure. Um, I I don't I don't know what the right balance is. I don't. Uh, you know, as far as God also, we don't think of these things, but in the schools we send our kids to or went ourselves and 
the neighborhoods we choose for ourselves, the churches we choose for ourselves. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I think, you know, God and his providence and wisdom also oftentimes has a lot more than what we had in mind, our internal calculus when we chose those things. And so, um, you know, I I think I've said this a lot, but it's, it's just really hard to care about people that you don't have a connection to. And so I often bring this up because, um, I saw it for myself, you know, at a Mm -hmm. different church where it might not even matter if something very tragic happens in your city, if you feel zero connection to that. Yeah. Unless that's a family member, right, or coworker, or right. friend. Yeah. And so, I mean, you, you, you know, before this podcast started, you talked about how um, what COVID did to us and our yeah. how it changed our social lives and. Yeah. Yeah, you know, including a time that so much has moved online too, yeah. and so that kind of flattens things. Yeah. Like, I might be more aware generally of what's happening, what's like trending right now, yeah. instead yeah. of like, oh, like there was a fire across the city or right, right, something like that. So yeah. I, I, anyway, long way of saying I think, uh, you know, we 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 do have people outside our traditional spheres of social circles and yeah and and god wants us to be salt and light yeah, yeah. where we are yeah. so yeah that's not a i don't know i think that's a very satisfying answer but I, no I, no i think that's good i, I don't think know if you, that's a balance either but it, it is um i think so maybe maybe an example might be helpful i think um it is because i'm in this more korean american asian american context there is a space to talk about the family dynamics and the discipleship that has to go into how we love our first gen parents, for example. Yeah. And that's a very unique mm-hmm. spiritual conversation mm-hmm. and a yeah. discipleship conversation. How does uh, honor your father and your mother, right? How does that apply specifically to our cultural context? Mm-hmm. There is space here to talk about that stuff. Right. And, and a certain common understanding and empathy hmm. because we share so much of that, mm-hmm. you know. And sometimes they're right next door, so it's like very immediate, right? Um, and that's so valuable. And, and, and I still hear about just how some of our, my Asian friends struggle to share that in a different, maybe a white majority church context, yeah. you know. Uh, it's, like, right. it's like, it's hard to translate everything. Yeah. Because you have to like give them the context even before you get to the problem you're having in that context. So you right. have to like, here's my context, and that takes long enough a time, mm. and then you get into the issues within your cultural context, mm-hmm. um, and that can be tiresome. <laughs> that can be kind of you know having to do that just all the time, having mm. to you know. But anyway, um, and and at the same time within that fellowship. Um, yeah, just asking ourselves, also, what does it look like for us to be all things to all people? So if God were to stretch our muscles, our missional muscles and, and outreach mm. to, you know, those who are not like us, what would that look like? Mm. And how is that happening even in the smallest of ways so that I do have a window open, right, uh, and, and a sort of a hospitable heart towards mm. my non-Asian neighbors, Mm. Um, and be okay with having to explain my context. 
be okay right. with having to, you know, um, break things down. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And just, yeah, I think as long as we have a menu of these, I think, uh, things, you know, um, more holistic kind of both fellowship with people who are like you, also outreach towards who are not like you. Mm-hmm. You're probably striking some balance, although it's, it'll look different for everybody, right? You know, so. Yeah, I mean, on the flip side, I think it's it's true for the quote unquote other too mm. that, um, you know, it, it would be good for them to know you, right? I'm thankful for those that are not from my culture that sat down and tried really, really hard to understand me and my context and my yeah. culture and yeah. and you know. They've, they've told me how thankful that yeah. they, they've been for yeah. that. And so, yeah. you know, it, it's like it's people aren't going to know you unless you give them a chance to. But yeah. at the same time, depending on where people are at, mm-hmm. and we do live in a time of very much political, social, yeah. ethnic yeah. polarization that yeah. not everyone feels like they have the bandwidth for that. Yeah. Uh, I don't want to say that's a luxury. Mm, uh, I'm just mm, not. Mm. I'm not satisfied with saying that. But mm, mm. yeah, so it's it's a uh, it's definitely like not comfortable. Yeah. Um, but you know, church is messy. Yeah. The the broader church. Yeah. And so. Yeah. Um, so on the flip side, I want to say that too. You yes. Know, is that things will continue to remain very. I don't know what you want to use. Uh, <laughs> People not connected or understanding each other. Yeah. So long as we stay yeah. that way. Yeah. 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 I think. Yeah. That's an ongoing <laughs> challenge and question and yeah. Yeah. Uh, room for growth. Um, definitely. Um, you were brought up in um, sort of a more. Well, actually, you tell me your upbringing because <laughs> I, I have pieces of your story but um, just tell me like your general like give me a summary of who is Wei from <laughs> birth to maybe being called to ministry uh, like church wise or yeah yeah church, mainly church yeah or your okay. I guess your testimony in that sense but also just your family dynamic too just yeah were you born in Georgia I was born in Taiwan. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I was born in Taiwan. Yeah. Um, and we emigrated to the states when I was four or five. Okay. And so you have no probably like memory. Do you have memory a li- of a Taiwan? Little bit. A little bit. Okay. Yeah, a little bit. Um, but it wasn't very much. Yeah, moved to the states when I was four or five. So, I guess you could technically call me an immigrant in that sense, along with my parents. Uh, yeah, spent all my life in Atlanta until I moved to New York five years ago. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think, you know, raised in a very, um, I want to, I don't want to say different, but I just, I guess maybe among, maybe this is a disclaimer, a qualifier, Uh which is there are a lot of different kinds of Asian Americans. Oh yeah. And sometimes that depends on how you use that. Sometimes it's helpful and not helpful. Mm. I think sometimes Mm -hmm. when we, you know, team up and be a group of people when talking to other people it's helpful but there are a lot of different kinds of Asian American experiences yes and so I don't pretend to like speak for all Asian Americans just as one sure Um, 
I would say grew up in a you know, low to middle class immigrant family in Atlanta. And, uh, you know, in middle school started going to church. Mm, mm. And church was this, um, yeah, my non-believing father, something struck him to take me to church one Sunday morning. Huh. And uh, he, I mean, he had some church experience growing up. Okay. But, uh, and that providentially, that Disciples of Christ Church, predominantly white oh, church, okay. hosted a small Chinese church in the evenings. Ah, this is okay. in Brookhaven. This is like right off Petrie Industrial. Huh. And, you know, and uh, of course, they're going to come up to him. And I'm thankful for that. They, who are you? You're a visitor. We haven't yeah. seen you around here. Yeah. Uh, and so... Yeah, small Chinese church. My dad started taking me and my mom to church. That's where I heard the gospel. That's where I first came to know the Lord, believed in the gospel. And that was about middle school. Um, and It's when you came to faith and got baptized and all that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so I, I grew up in the, I would say, you know, middle school, high school. Most of my 20s were spent in a Chinese non-denominational church in Atlanta. Gotcha. Uh, it's 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 had changed some changes there as, sure. over the years too. Yeah, went from one congreg two congregations now to two separate ones. See, um, but um, yeah, now it's called Ecclesia. But mm-hmm. yeah, that's where I grew up. That's where I, I, I my 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 spiritual Christian formation yeah. was in a Chinese non-denom church in Atlanta, and I will always be so thankful for that. Yeah. Uh, was there a Chinese ministry and the English ministry? Yep. I was part of the EM. Right. Yeah. So that's why I said, I think, I mean, I eventually left, but I, I was part of EM ministry. Yeah. Yeah. Until I think 2013, about 10 years ago. Wow. Yeah. Um, can you share a bit of what that was like? I'm, I'm curious. I'm sure there are overlaps with the, the, KMEM dynamic, the yeah. CM and the EM dynamic. Sure. But I'm sure there are also distinctly some differences too. Sure. Um, I don't know if you have heard about the, the, the joys and pains of um, the, that immigrant church dynamic, the, the KMEM struggles and things like that. Mm-hmm. When have If you have... How does that does that resonate with your experience being in a sort of a CMEM context? Are there similarities in terms of the cultural challenges and uh, obstacles, or yeah. and also the blessings sure. and of just being part of that kind of first and second gen context? Sure. Yeah, I'm curious to wow. hear what you <clears throat> recall from that. It's been a long time since I thought about that, but no, I think it's again, I uh, I'm very grateful for it. It very much roots me in my immigrant experience. Mm. You know, and, and yeah. trying to live, you know, making it work and surviving here as immigrants in America. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I'm sure some of them might be listening, but I think, yeah, I was part of the EM ministry of a Chinese church. The Chinese church was, it's actually fairly old. It's mm. actually among Asian churches in Atlanta. It's probably one of the oldest mm. churches. Yeah. And so that's actually one of the realizations I came to when I, when I joined the PCA was that, oh, mm-hmm. wow, like mm-hmm. 
I was a part of an Asian church that's probably even older than yeah. most Korean churches yeah. in Atlanta. Yeah. And so, I mean, that's interesting because that, yeah. we, we have common shared experiences as immigrant churches, but at the same time, it's like, oh, there, there's some things I saw there before they happened in other Korean mm. Um, mm. churches. So mm. a lot of the same things, you know, I think struggles between CM and EM, um, language differences, generational differences, cultural differences, mm. um, you know, and there's a lot of ways to, to do it, but I think, well, before I get into that, I, New York Times, uh, mm. Had an article very recently talking about Christmas meals in the Korean church. Huh. And uh, I didn't read the whole thing. You should look it up sometime. But I gotta read that, huh? But um, you know, just it talks about how the meal after service, you know, yes, fellowship hall, everyone sits <laughs> yeah. down, home cooked meal, yeah, Asian meal, yeah. And uh, I, I've enjoyed that here as mm-hmm. well in the other building mm-hmm. for lots of occasions. Hmm. Ornation, <laughs> Sundays, mm. regular mm. Sundays. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and, I, and that was so different because when I went to, after when I joined a PCA church, a white church, everyone just bolted after service. <laughs> I remember feeling so yeah. lonely. I'm like, where does everybody go? Like, it felt so weird to go a Sunday. Like, that, for me, that was part of Sunday. Part of Sunday was in service together and then fellowshipping together after church yeah. over a meal. And it was cross-generational too, yeah. CMEM. Yeah. Um, the way we would do it is that we had these large community groups and every Sunday a different mm. group, I guess maybe some of them would team up and they would just cook the meal. Yeah. And we just take rotations. Yeah. And yeah. Just like churches do rotations for like nursery care right, or right. rotations for worship team, it was just part of it, and that was cool because you actually did see the two congregations working together to bless the whole. Yeah. Uh, so there was that. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so I, I think I think from that aspect, I think definitely miss that. Yeah. You know, when it comes to um, having having left that. Yeah. And, and also the things that I, I'm blessed by and take with me and remember and as I think about fellowship and hospitality. Yeah. Try to apply some of those things in New York. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. I do think, um, you know, typically it's a, the EM starts as like a youth group mm-hmm, of mm-hmm. a KM or CM and then gets bigger and bigger and bigger and they go to college and now they're, Mm-hmm. married and have kids and mm-hmm. and so I think very much navigating the challenges period of the Asian diaspora what does that mean in terms of faith yeah right and yeah. so that that can feel tough if you don't have many good examples and mentors in that yeah I'm sure you and I have feel that and spoken about that over the years um, mm-hmm. it seems like we're all just trying to figure this out as well yeah for sure Sure. Uh, you know, many, many people that leave. I, I mean, yeah. I, I don't mean necessarily here, but at least my Chinese church background. Um, do do they want to come back to a Chinese church? Yeah. Once they go off to college, yeah. once they get married, yeah. once they have yeah. kids. Yeah. And that's interesting because I would say across all my friends, um, it's been all over the place. Yeah. 
for sure. Some of them have valued raising their kids in a Chinese context. Some of them have have left out, never looking back on that. They've um, they have found other uh, a church for a different part of their lives, whether yeah. in college or beyond. Um, probably most are still wrestling with that in yeah. some shape or form. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, maybe yeah. they 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 start going to a predominantly Korean American church. Yeah. You know, as a sidebar, it's actually one of the things I wrestle with as a Chinese American is mm, that mm-hmm, mm-hmm. we tend to just assimilate wherever we go. Uh huh. And so in the PCA, that's usually either white or Korean. Yeah. Right. Right. We assimilate right. into white PCA churches. We assimilate sure. into Korean, sure. predominantly Korean American yeah. or Korean churches. Yeah. It's just like, where, where's our place? If there is a mm, place for mm, us. Mm. Um, yeah. There's, a, there's cultural differences in that, too. Uh, mm-hmm. It was sad for me when I moved to New York and in the wake of all the anti-Asian violence that mm. happened here after mm. the, the spa shootings, they, they wanted somebody that's Chinese-American, a pastor, mm. to be a part of a service or some kind of Zoom service. Mm. They couldn't find anybody. Mm. I was like, you got to be kidding me. Like, I was like one of the few Asian-American clergy when I left in 2019. And so anyway, that made me sad, but yeah, that's a d- different layer for me that yeah, I yeah. wrestle with is that, um, yeah, what is, the, what is the future of, be it Chinese church or yeah. Chinese American Christians in the country? And yeah. So anyway, that's more questions than answers. No, that's good. Um, I think, I think the, one of the, for me, I think one maybe one of the downsides, and again, don't take this across the board mm-hmm. for me was, um, yeah, I, I think for different. I mean, for me, I I think I needed to leave the context to to find some answers of what I was sure. questions I was looking for. Sure, and <laughs> I do think um, things are better now than they've been before. But back when mm-hmm. I was. Mm-hmm. In college, after college, I was wrestling with questions of theology, which ultimately landed me in the PCA. Um, but just yeah, I, I feel like it can can be difficult sometimes in EMs. At least the people that see themselves there to feel like they can they can help their people with their issues they're going through. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Right. What What does it mean to be an Asian American? Christian uh, in this world. Like, like our parents, you know, that generation, the KMCM, they know what they're doing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, they know what they're about. Mm-hmm. I think we struggle with yeah. our identity, yeah. our calling, yeah. our path of discipleship. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's what I've seen EM struggle with yeah. over the years. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's good. Those are some really helpful thoughts, I think. Make me also reminisce about some of the things you mentioned about like Sunday fellowship and things like that. When we were, when our EM was smaller, we did, we did have one, one Sunday service and then afterwards we would have lunch all together. Uh, we would be meeting in that room over there and, um, and yeah, we would rotate between community groups or small groups to prepare lunch and it was, it was doable. Um, we enjoyed that and kind of continued the 
the tradition handed down to us from KM in a sense because they they have lunch fellowship and whatnot. Mm. And then when we moved to two services, um, and, and and I think with COVID and two services, we kind of uh, we phased out of that having uh, lunch fellowship on Sunday. Um, so after the first service in the morning, there'll be a little bit of interaction here in the lobby, but um, parents pick up their kids and, you know, um, it's kind of hectic around here. Um, after the second service, which is around lunchtime, some people would go out and get lunch together. Uh, so we do encourage people who are seeking that mm. to come to the second service. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I feel like that's something I do miss. And at the same time, it's also something can be that can be challenging to navigate as you grow as a yeah. congregation. It, it is. Um, and so over the years, the past couple years, Sunday has been more about corporate worship. Right. And then fellowship would have to be outside of that in the context of community groups. Right. On a different day, um, especially since um, we're scattered all across a city, and you have to find the you have to gather with the people more in your area, mm. and we depend on the hospitality of some of our members in those areas, mm-hmm. and and yeah, people who do plug into our community groups tend to just become assimilated here and become members over time, right. Um, but I think it, it's, it, it is challenging for folks who are more used to that uh, Sunday being the day where yeah. everything happens. Right. It is challenging for them to find that sense of home mm-hmm. just by coming on Sundays. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. If that's the expectation, I think that's sometimes what a few people have struggled with and have left because it's like, they come on Sunday and it's like, is this it? You know, and I understand that. I don't blame them for feeling that way. Um, especially if you were raised in that traditional CM or KM context where, right. yeah, a lot happens on a Sunday. Um, it's like Sunday is the day where you worship, fellowship, Bible study, everything, yeah. you know. Um, and there's a beauty to that too. Uh, just spending, maybe even confessionally, consistent with what our uh, Westminster Confession tells us about the Lord's Day, <laughs> okay. uh, yep. just devoting that to worship and mercy and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's also, I think, just, I mean, just a, a quick comment, which is if, you know, growing up in an ethnic-specific church, it's not usually located in a neighborhood near us, right? Yeah. We're driving past lots of other churches just to be... Yes. And so, so it's... Most of the churches, Asian churches, the ones that I grew up in, aren't easily accessible to where I can go multiple yeah. times a week. Yeah, that is different yeah. though if you yeah. are. But just again, that's that's location, yeah. that's schedule, that's. Yeah. Um, but yeah, maybe we've like. But you're right though. I do. I do think. That's, that's such a good point, <clears throat> and and that's exactly why for us th- these members who are in these different areas who are opening up their homes are yeah. so vital. Yeah. They're so essential. Mm. It's like without them, we lose touch with these members who are, or visitors who are scattered all across, you know. Right. And, and if, if 
they don't have that connection there, then they're bound to feel that disconnect, you know? And so <clears throat> that just reminds me of like why I appreciate the hospitality of our members so much. They're, mm. they're doing so much more than just hosting a dinner or just hosting a, a, a meeting. Um, they're like our outposts mm -hmm. that kind of keep us together, mm -hmm. really. Um, so. Mm. Signing here. How did you um, begin to sense a call to ministry coming oh. out of that kind of upbringing and church contacts? Wow. Um, yeah, so I'm the son of, I'm the son of Taiwanese immigrants, only child. And so my parents were so mad when I told them I was thinking about ministry <laughs> instead of uh, instead of going to law like I was supposed to. And you're to. not going into prosperity gospel preaching either, <laughs> where <laughs> you roll in the dough. Well, no, okay. it's like it's it's reformed theology. No, it's, okay, so there's no money there. It is a PCA. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. no, definitely. I mean, I think I think um, no. My my joke on that is I think you know. PCA, we tend to be more middle upper class, right? If you're highly, more in the Anglo, highly, yeah. highly educated, yes. white and Asian, and so. Yes. <clears throat> um, but yeah, no, I definitely. I think my parents, and still to this day, I think would have preferred me to choose something different. Um, mm. So I went to Georgia Tech wanting to be a lawyer. You know, which they had no issues with, right? <laughs> if anything, they were happy about that. But I think, yeah, I mean, a couple mm. of quick things. I really. <laughs> Started, you know, I think one is um, being mentored by an older Asian American brother, Chinese American brother. And actually, the really cool thing I didn't even think about is that he used to attend this church. He used to attend NCA, um, Richard wow. Kuo. And he was a mentor to me uh, when I was in college. And so um, that was very formative for me. So I think that, I think the itinerant ministry of John Piper, which was very. You know, uh, when I was in college, I ate up so much John He has Piper's. such an influence on Asian Americans. Yeah. He, he probably doesn't even know. <laughs> uh, but he has, like, this Asian American fan base uh, from late 90s. I think so does late Tim, 90s Tim and, too. But. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but then he had a significant number of Asians attending his church. Tim. Redeemer, did. yeah. Yeah, Tim Keller. Whereas Piper, it's not like he has, like, a bunch of Asians attending Bethlehem Baptist. Right. That's but, true. That's but true. people would just consume his tapes and that's true sermons and it's, mm -hmm. it's interesting so for me i was listening and reading in john piper which also led me to being calvinist and getting really into the bible and theology and reform stuff and yeah so it was that and then also i think just third a, a strong connection to my local church which allowed me to serve and, and, mm. and just you know realize some things about my calling and i think mm. the combination of those mm. three things mm while I was in college, um, just even, you know, leading a Bible study and, and prepping for it and reading commentaries. Yeah. I remember picking up Gordon Fee on 1 Corinthians, my first big boy commentary. Nice. Uh, and going to my pastor, like, help me read this thing. I want to prep for this Bible study. Dang. And I'm really thankful he did that for me. Um, Thomas did. And, um, and, uh, yeah, I remember, remember, you know, uh, my mentor asking me, like, have you thought about seminary? And I'm like, mm. what is cemetery? I thought it sounded like cemetery. <laughs> I mean, no, no, not just a cheesy joke, but I thought he said cemetery. And I've never heard of it. And 
I mean, I, I, I was in love with the work, the ministry itself, huh. but I, I never thought about going into school for that. And yeah. so yeah. I think just a, really, there are people that do this for a living? Like, mm. like, <laughs> yeah. I was just into the books, <clears throat> you know, and, and the fellowship and mm -hmm. the meetings and mm -hmm. the ministry. So started thinking about that. Mm. So for mm. me, calling happened in a campus ministry context at mm. Georgia Tech. Mm. You know, as a college student that was very involved with my local church, mm. which I'm so grateful for, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, which meant that I had people that had eyes on me. And and uh, um, I know he was on here, I'll name, you know, here earlier too, one of your guests. But, you know, I think going through a difficult journey of leaving the Chinese church to join the PCA, uh, Billy Park was also a big part of that for me as well, you know an Asian American mentor for me and mm. helping me navigate some the Korean godfather of the PCA. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I have no qualms with giving uh, credit to that, but then I think, yeah. So I think, you know, it just started with like the ministry right in front of me. I don't think anybody goes into this thinking I want to pastor churches. I want to lead ministries, but I think it's just like really grows bit by bit. Yes. And you discern as you go, and yeah, and um, none of it is what I would have chosen for myself. I, I yeah. never wanted to be a pastor. Yeah, I never thought I'd leave the Asian church context. Yeah, I never thought I'd go to New York City, leave Atlanta. It's right. just been a crazy journey of following God, where yeah. I, you know, that's felt so like he's cool. Been calling me, um, and I'm probably leaving out lots of things in there, but I think that is my calling to ministry. It wasn't like. A, audible voice or mm. getting blinded on the Damascus road, but it was, it was just a growing sense of God giving me new affections and new desires. Yeah. And, um, yeah. And so, so New York was, what was New York? New York was, that was a really difficult choice for me. Um, and when you were called to do RUF, Reform yeah, to, to, University to here, Fellowship. Yeah, to start an RUF in New York. Yeah. Uh, and for people who don't know what that is, um, that's the college ministry wing of our denomination, mm -hmm. the PCA. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the campus ministry. Campus ministry of the PCA. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that, that's, that's interesting, too, because, you know, when you go to New York, you see all these people that, at least in the Second City context, right, that, that just, like, dreamed about being here you know, have dreams of being in New York, and I never wanted to be here. <laughs> it wasn't my dream to live in Times Square and do ministry and... Meet Tim Keller. And, and <laughs> not. I mean, I'll read his books. <laughs> but like, I don't want to move there. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah. Um, but, uh, but yeah, that, that was also, too, that was a card call. But I think, I think the thing there really was is it going back to my roots of my calling, which happened in a campus ministry context? Yeah. So it is a, it is a unique thing that can happen in a college context where I felt called to ministry in a college context. And, um, you know, and I think uh, being on a college campus and the kind of ministry there is different than the kind of ministry, a college ministry at a local church, mm, mm. right? So my denomination, my presbytery is sending me to a college campus, you know, a campus 
and trying to be rooted there and do ministry. So it's, yeah. it's a little bit like you know, a little bit like being a local missionary. Yeah. Work. You're trying to learn this like bubble context. And right. Right. Trying to minister into it and yeah. Um, and establish a fellowship and staying there and yeah. Drawing the lines and building the bridges to right. the church, the local churches. Yeah. Uh, that's different than so. What I realized when I was at pastor in my old church is. You know, I, I would meet my students, the students that come to my church, I would meet their friends, which are may or may not be connected to the church. And I realize like they're not they're not coming to my church. Mm. You know? Mm. Like they receive me mm. on their turf. Mm. But the kind of students that are coming to the church, they're the ones that they're already looking for the word. They mm. want a, a yeah. word centered service. Yeah. They have categories for that. They're either right. churched or they're actually Christian. Mm. And um mm. But the only way I was going to be able to do ministry to the college students not coming here was to go to them. So yeah. I think that was an opportunity to do that in New York and to start something new too. Yeah. Mm. Um, and so anyway, so that that's mm. as I prayed through that and thought through that, and that's that's what led me to to uproot for myself from Atlanta after twenty five mm. plus years yeah. and, and move to New York. <laughs> yeah, no, that's really cool. And, uh, it's yeah, and it's int- it's fascinating to me how God s- would send um, you there, even though it's not like something you were chasing after or something you were like strategizing your life towards. Um, but it was just by His providence and Him shepherding you in that direction. Um, and I think that is how it generally goes. I mean, I'm I'm not in Atlanta because I dreamed of being in Atlanta Mm. Um, when I was in Florida finishing seminary and doing college ministry I think I told Lynn at one point wherever we go next it's not going to be Atlanta (laughs) because there are way too many Korean churches here I I have a funny story to that like this is one place we will not end up in Mm. but at this point um and I check in with Lynn on this like almost every year. Okay. Like, we still feel like this is where God's called us to be for the rest of our lives. Okay. Unless he really just gives us like a radical call to somewhere else. Yeah. It, it seems like, at least in terms of our current desire, mm. to just be here um, and until we bury these people, <laughs> you know, and do their funerals. Mm. Um, that's our hope. So it's, it's it's just interesting how God works mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. Um, he does what he wills mm-hmm. with you, um, which, is, which is fine. It's good. Mm. Yeah. What were you going to say? Oh, when you said that, yeah. I never, you know, it wasn't, you had a conversation with your wife about not coming to Atlanta. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I remember visiting a friend in Boston. And, yeah. Because I was in the running for an RUF there as well. Okay. But it was like Boston or New York. Mm. And um, I was visiting a friend. I mean, again, I'm from Atlanta all my life. I see giant blocks of ice on the side of the road because they've pushed the snow to the side. And yeah. It hasn't, the temps haven't risen above yeah. melting. And, and so it's just big blocks of ice. <laughs> like, what is this place? Like, yeah. And I remember like turning and telling my friends, like, if God ever stops loving me, he'll call me somewhere like this. <laughs> And New York isn't yeah. that. Um, <laughs> New York's got better weather than Boston, which is I'm grateful to be there. 
<laughs> but uh, but yeah, that, that's that's a funny story. Yeah, that's yeah. A, a couple um, of years later, <laughs> I moved to the Northeast. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's funny how that works. So I think I think that's been. I mean, it may not be true for everyone's life, but at least sure. strong in my testimony has been. You know, me coming up with dreams and plans for my life, and then God giving me His. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think. You know, I, I can look back and it's not always been easy, but mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, I'm, I just see like I'm 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 glad, Lord, that yeah, you're in charge, yeah, and not yeah. me, and yeah, and I I can still trust you with my life. I mean, that brings to mind like just my young self, younger self in seminary. There are times when I was like. Dreaming about things, fantasizing about things, uh, how how my future will work out, um, and it was not really rooted in um, sur- surrendering to the Lord, just my life, my call, or future. It was just more me taking hold of my future and trying to design it in some way. And and I had professors and mentors who kind of would would keep me in check. Mm. Like, um, yeah, be be more rooted, be more grounded, um, do the shepherding work week in, week out, serve the people who are walking through your doors, uh-huh. and and kind of put a check on that sort of, yeah, it was more or less a selfish ambition that I had as a young, young, restless, reformed type of mm. <laughs> seminarian. Mm. Um, like, I figured it all out now. And We're from that generation. Let me, yeah, let me go and plant this amazing church that will change the landscape of everything. Mm. Um, and, I mean, we're only in our late 30s now, right? Mm. Um, but even now, I want to, like, turn to my younger seminarian friends and brothers and tell them the same thing is just... Uh, be faithful where God calls you now. Mm-hmm. Um, be faithful in the day to day, and if you're married to a marriage, um, and just let God take you where He will. Hmm. Um, and don't dream about being the next Tim Keller or the next whatever John Piper. Because right. um, we won't. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're not yeah. it. <laughs> um, you are who. God made it yeah, God. yeah, and and just be be joyful in serving in that capacity. Um, yeah, I almost want to mm. turn to my my younger brothers to encourage them with the same thing. Mm-hmm. Even even though we're not that old either, but mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. just just to like steer them in that direction of just being faithful, being rooted, grounded, and right. Um, you're not the next Martin Luther. Um, just, he wasn't yeah. looking to be the next. Yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> he was. Yeah. Yeah. I, I yeah. think I. Uh, I mean, this is me. Like, I'm not looking to write a book. I'm not looking to then jump off that and get on some platform for a conference. This is this is me making it right here, John, being on your <laughs> podcast. <laughs> With the less than hundred people listening, yeah, this is, big yeah, this is your yeah, ten <laughs> um, minutes of. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I, I don't. 
I don't, yeah. I mean, I, I think I'm always scared to death when I speak in front of people, even to this day. I think hmm. there was a time when, you know, a big part of my story is just, if you knew me back in college, you would not have seen a preacher. Mm. You would not. I, even like when I say that, it's like, oh, what? Um, I, I'm scared to death to speak in front of people. I get really nervous, really in my own head. And so I really did have to, had some time with God saying, if you are calling to me to this and you're going to have to give me the ability and gifts for it because yeah. like, this is not me. So like the story of Moses and mm. I don't talk good, <laughs> you know, like it, it's very, it's very, uh, it's very mm. important story mm. for mm. me. So yeah, I, I don't, I mean, it's sad in our day. I mean, so many very public fallings and scandals of ministers yeah. and how that has desecrated the office and yeah. taken people's confidence away from the, the church. For sure, for sure. Or, or just Christianity in general. Um, yeah. I don't, I, I'm, you know, I don't, I don't seek that. Yeah. Yeah. If, yeah. if that's part of what God wants to give you or, you know... <laughs> Yeah. Would, would you help me because I, that's not something I want to yeah. seek after it's a heavy it's a heavy weight and burden to carry already as, as it is already as yeah. a minister yeah um, yeah it's actually not possible yeah apart from God's power and help yeah yeah um, so I I mean but I, I think also part of that too I mean it's not anything new but I think where is the place of like godly ambition Yes. You know, when Paul talks about wanting to preach somewhere where no one else has preached before, not yeah. building upon someone else's ministry. So I, I think, you know, there's, it, it's, yeah, like both of those things for a minister, faithfulness and, and godly ambition. Yeah. Uh, when is that selfish ambition? When is that godly ambition? Yeah. Yeah. Um, because like, I look around me, I mean, it's, you know, I, in New York and Manhattan, you are, it just draws a certain type of person. Yes. Right? Yeah. It draws someone very ambitious, very gifted with abilities. Yeah. And I mean, they're really good at making money. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know? And so it just, I mean, there's, you know, and it's really cool to see them work through that as part of. Okay, like in in following Christ, where does this fit in? How does right. because God has clearly gifted, mm. given them abilities and given them opportunities. Sure. And so, anyway, not that I'm ready for a long comment on that, but that I I don't I don't yeah we don't want to get lost in just a complacency yeah, either right. where right uh, because again like I said I, I'm I get to rub shoulders and see a lot of like these are. 20 somethings yeah that killing it in Manhattan yeah. you know so yeah um there's that there's that saying right um um venture out or dare to 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 do what would not otherwise succeed if God were not in it or something like that a perimeter church that, yeah th- th- I think that's Randy Pope's uh, quote yeah. and I think there's two ways of applying that one that is very healthy hmm. and one that could be quite 
burdensome, if not harmful, to your like spiritual life. I think the the more I think about it, the the yeah, the unhealthy version of that is just um, I'm a, I'm a two talent servant, but I'm going to act like I'm five talents. I'm going to try to produce what only the five talent servant can produce uh, when I'm really two talents. Okay. And denying the the finitude, the and the the way that God has wired you or the place He's called you to be. Right. Right. Mm. Just being blind to that while being just ambitious, all in the name of serving the kingdom. Sure. But then I think the healthy version of that is um, just acknowledging we do have fears, we do have unbelief that can keep us from obeying the, God's word and, and holding on to the promises in God's word that are plainly there and stepping into that obedience, um, stepping into... Um, his mission, and I think um, trusting the Lord in prayerfulness and stepping into obedience. I think if that's what's meant by that statement, then I wholeheartedly agree. You know, because I have those fears, I have these moments of doubt and unbelief uh-huh. that make me more more calculating than prayerful, more fear of man driven than fear of God driven. Right. Right. Uh, rather than the quorum deo kind of living, I'm beholding man kind of, you know. And so if, so so, I think Randy Pope's statement, I still largely appreciate because I think it keeps me in that perspective of, um, yeah, keep your eyes on God hmm. and, and move into obedience mm-hmm. um, and not be paralyzed by fear or worries or, you know, what ifs. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but also not taking that to mean, um, yeah, God's going to, you know, uh, transform me into this superhero, uh, the next reformer kind of thing. Um, that's not what's meant by that statement. Because that would if, in, inevitably, I think, ruin my marriage, my family life, and everything else, you know. Yeah. Um, um, so, yeah. It reminds me of a recent conversation I had um, at a pastor's gathering. Okay. There was, a, there was a pastor there who also coaches other pastors. Okay. Kind of mentors them. I, I don't think I should mention who, but um, he came over to me to say hi. And, and I, was, I was so happy to see him because he was also my coach for a period of time. And the first question he asked me was, How's your marriage? Mm. <laughs> yeah. Um, and and we were just kind of smiling at each other, half jokingly even saying, you know, is your marriage still okay? <laughs> kind of thing. We haven't seen each other in a while, and the first thing he asks me is, is your marriage still okay? Mm. Um, the implication being, right? Uh, he talks to a lot of pastors mm-hmm. who who um, are struggling in their marriage. You know. Um, and so moments like that really like keep me in check, Hmm. you know, um, and, and it keeps that at the forefront of my vision. Hmm. Like my vision is to be faithful to my wife, Mm -hmm. (laughs) um, in thought, word, and deed, and, and to my children, um, and then, yeah, to my church. 
Um, and even now when we have newcomers or new incoming members who kind of, they kind of raise that question when we have like a meal together, a coffee. Together. So Pastor John, what's your vision for NCAEM? What's, uh-huh. your, what's your vision for the future? Uh-huh. And, I, and I still to this day don't know how to answer that. But I, but I started to answer with this. My vision is to stay married to my wife till the day I die. <laughs> And be faithful to her, mm. and and Lord willing, um, my children will also grow up and say, um, "I love my parents, I love my dad, and um, I love the Lord." Mm-hmm. Hopefully, you know, that's my vision, man. Like, because that's that to me would be like a win in my mind if I'm on my deathbed. <laughs> like, you know. Yeah. Um, so yeah, all that to say. Absolutely. All that to say, um, if if anybody's a young seminarian right now, I hope that's what they also mm. at least hold to as part of their vision, mm-hmm. a big big part of their vision. It's just being a Christ-like husband mm-hmm. if they're married and Christ-like father. Um, but, yeah. Um, I want to take you out to lunch soon because <laughs> oh. I know you have to go. What time is it? Um, it's, almost, it's almost noonish. Okay. Um, it's do you, did you have anything... You wanted to talk about or ask about or uh, bring up um, before we come to a close here? I'm trying to think. Uh, what I mean, what like, is on Wei's mind? What's on Wei's mind? What? I mean, I, 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 um, <laughs> I'm trying to think how this connects what you said about family. I mean, because that really is, it's important to be, you know, faithful to, You know, you want to call it calling or the mm-hmm, co- you mm-hmm, know mm-hmm. made a covenant vows yeah. to each other. Yeah. Um, yeah. I just I, just uh, I, I've noticed this a lot, right? So I'm in a different seat now. I I'm a minister, but I'm not a pastor at a local church. Mm-hmm. So I get to observe. Like I get to guest preach at lots of churches. I. I, I'm I, bummed that you you can't guest preach for us at yeah, the uh, end of the year. I know. I'm sorry. Really want, yeah. yeah. Next time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you you pick up a sense of like the what's the climate in the room? And lots of churches. Some are struggling. Some are vibrant. And and um, I think what's really hard for a minister is. Like your family is absolutely part of the ministry, right? Mm. You're, you're yeah, I love when Pete Sosario talks about you're, you're, you're doing ministry out of your marriedness or your singleness, mm, mm, right? It's, mm. it's like, it's not separate things. Yeah, yeah. your but personal what, holiness and personal life. Yeah, yeah um, but I think what's also really hard sometimes, I don't know how to navigate this, is when your people that you minister to are like, looking at you and nodding as if you know they're listening to you but mm. back of their mind it's like mm. yeah but i just want that like mm. i want his family i want this picturesque view of their marriage and their kids and yeah you know and it's just yeah. like the i mean what can you do as a minister other than preach the gospel and and preach the word but it's just that's hard because yeah we're all we all have a dream for our lives and it's yeah. Our hearts are full of idolatry, and we can look at the truth, stare it in the face, and still want the things our heart, our sinful hearts want. 
And I think it's just really hard as a pastor because mm. sometimes like, am I getting through? <laughs> like yeah. apart from the Holy Spirit applying this deep in people's hearts and souls, yeah, nothing's happening here. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I see that a lot. I see that a lot of sure, churches. For sure. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of pressure for pastors to put on this perfect yes. family front uh, yeah. the photos. Yeah, and, for sure. Yeah. And so for sure. Um, again, I'm, I'm just saying that's part of the job. Yeah. I, I, I think you're pointing out something really important there. Um, I think you can maybe even unintentionally miscommunicate kind of kind of this you may not even preach the prosperity gospel with in terms of like money or materialism, but you could inadvertently communicate something in that sort of um, with that kind of vibe by presenting this what what seems to be a very prosperous looking marriage or family life mm-hmm. um, when in fact every marriage, as Paul Tripp would say, you know it's two sinners coming together, uh-huh. sinning against each other while trying to lean on God's grace to forgive one another and constantly reconcile with one another and mature into Christ-likeness day by day. Mm. That struggle, if you're not communicating in any way to your church, then you're really miscommunicating what marriage is about and selling them in a sense, like a false promise of, mm. Yeah, come to this church, sit under my preaching, your marriage will look like this, this Instagram perfect kind of uh-huh. thing. So I think it's incumbent on ministers, because in a sense you are a public figure, right? Yeah, for, you right? Absolutely for are. better or for worse, you are. Yeah. Then, then for you, your family as well. Yeah, and you have to then, in some ways, whether it's through sermon illustrations or <laughs> discipleship context or even conversations over coffee or pastoral counseling, communicate how you are wrestling through this process of sanctification in marriage, how you are facing marital challenges, and how apart from the grace of God and the mercy of God, your marriage will likewise fall apart. Mm-hmm. Um, and we are, yeah, his mercies are new every morning is why we're still married. Mm-hmm. Is something that I think church members need to hear from their par- uh, pastors more. Um, so that they don't buy into this illusion of, oh, churches where perfect marriages are made, or you know, churches where I can model after that template of what looks like a very picture perfect family, the mm-hmm. nuclear family, or whatever that may be. Yeah. Church is actually, I think, where you should deconstruct that more, mm-hmm. because this is where we confront humanity's sinfulness, <laughs> um, and that exists in marriage and family life as well. Mm-hmm. And so I hope I'm doing better. I hope I grow in that. I hope I grow in being more confessional, of course, in a appropriate way from the pulpit, but still being confessional about my, my struggles in marriage and, or just even being generally open about the fact that I do get couples counseling or I get marriage counseling from this Christian counselor and how I've benefited from that, mm. how my marriage is in kind of this seasonal need for that and yeah we're we're just like you in terms of getting by day by day all by the grace of god um i think we have a responsibility to our people to like communicate that or or make that more visible Mm -hmm. um yeah otherwise i think like you said i think it will it would just kind of keep them in that in that mindset of um, as long as I'm here and paying my dues I should be able to produce a very picturesque and 
and happy marriage, family, that kind of thing. Hmm. Went, no, we're, we're here because we're very desperate for the, the, the breadcrumbs even uh, that fall from God's table so we can get by, by his grace, hmm. by his mercy. Um, we're a desperate people. We are hungry people, mm. you know. Uh, I hope that's what they're hearing and what they're getting. Mm. So, yeah. Can I ask you something? Yeah. Um, yeah. I've always known you to be someone who loves to learn and voracious reader. <laughs> what are you reading right now? I wouldn't say I'm a voracious reader. Um, I, I, so I have a bunch of stuff on Audible. Okay. And I also have some just books um, that I put leave, leave on my desk here or next to my bed at home, um, but um, but yeah, full disclosure, I I'm not I'm not like I wouldn't say I'm a great reader, but I want to be. I want to be better at it. Um, so on um, on my Audible, I have more of the like f- fun stuff, I guess, or just like non required readings. Yeah. Right. I actually have Harry Potter on there. Nice. Uh, I've, I got through uh, Lord of the Rings. I'm in, I'm in two towers now. Okay. Um, and and just, just random, even like just books by secular writers in, in more of the psychology area, just because I want to see if there's things to glean from in, in my sort of biblical counseling okay. um, practice. Mm-hmm. Uh, whether it's like the Gottmans on marriage, or um, I think there's a, I think her name is Sue Johnson on emotional um, therapy. But yeah, you saw I had a book, the recent book by Judy Cha on my desk. Mm. Um, so I want to get into that uh, more in that Christian counseling area. I picked up a book recently too by I forgot the author's name, um, but uh, Minor Feelings. Okay, yeah, um, Kathy. Yeah, I forgot her name. Uh, it was recommended to me by a friend. Um, I haven't read it. Okay. Um, so, yeah, pro- I'll probably have to chew on it and, you know, mm. um, I'm, sure, I'm sure I won't. I've never read a book where I, like, agreed 100% with unless it's John Frame or John Calvin <laughs> or something like that. Um, but... Uh, or, or Augustine, or whatever. But, yeah, those are a few that I have um, right now. Next to my bed, I have Augustine's book on the Trinity. Okay. Which is so hard to, like, read more than five pages of at a time for me. Mm. But, but then when I read, like, two or three pages, there's usually, like, a couple of lines where I'm like, wow. Like, this is amazing. Um, and I have to chew on this like very slowly kind of thing. It's like very tough, nutritious beef jerky kind of thing. <laughs> like I just have to like really chew on it. John Owen type um, stuff, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then when I find something really cool, I'll put it in like, let's say I, like a bulletin for reflection quote or whatever. Mm. Um, yeah. Cool. Yeah, yeah. You getting into anything right now? Yeah. Um, let's see. You might like pause real quick and use the restroom. Hey, um, Go for it. Okay. And then we'll wrap up with that last question. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, let's talk about what you're reading or right. watching. And okay. Th- and, then, and then let's go to lunch. Okay. Right now? 
Yeah, go, go, uh, yeah, go for it. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, let's see. Uh, <clears throat> reading. Just finished. Uh, do this book club with some pastors and. Uh, nice. Just finished Tim Keller's Making Sense of God, like a prequel to Reason for God. It's really good. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah. A lot of pre-evangelism. Yeah, yeah. It's into. different. It's different from <clears throat> Reason for God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Uh, so that was really good. Um, I think a lot of the impetus for that is really just trying to, you know, how can we better understand and talk to people about God and especially college students, yeah. Gen Z. Um, yeah. And then we're going to read together Strange Rites, R-I-T-E-S, Strange Rites by Tara Burton, came out in huh. 2020. I don't think she's Not a Christian author, but she's basically okay. talking about how... Um, I think she's getting at like just, you know, if if um, if, if like the institution of the church or people turned off to that, but there's still people are practicing their spirituality with other people and mm. communities, mm. and so mm. whether it be Satanism or <laughs> yeah. you know like yeah, yeah, other yeah. other forms of spiritual yeah. communities, yeah. and yeah. so she's getting into that more recent phenomenon, yeah. and so it's uh. Yeah, I think it'd be a really interesting read for us sure. and trying to yeah. make sense of our students or this generation. I'm trying cool. to do that one. Cool. Um, uh, I loved. I did this on Audible, but I love reading Rachel Gilson's. Um, what is it? Born. Born again this way. Born again this way. Yeah. Yeah. Really enjoyed that. I think just really important to yeah. be equipped on that subject for. Um, you know, not just absolutely my context with this generation. And yeah, she wrote it very, very well. Yeah, too. I just, I, I mean, maybe I'll, I'll reference this again from the book written standpoint, but just on sure. audio, audio, um, on yeah. audio book format. Trying to do some cardio, I was listening to that. That was that was really good. Mm, mm, um, mm. I think that's it. Yeah. Uh, what was the other question? Oh, what am I watching? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I finally, I'm like so late to stuff. Like, <laughs> I, I feel like some, you know, there's some pastors that really pride themselves on being, watching the latest series or the latest movie. Uh-huh. Uh, uh-huh. I just watched Barbie on the plane. Okay, yeah. Um, you know, so I'm finally caught up on that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, that was a good one. Yeah, it was like a lot deeper than yeah, I thought yeah, it was yeah, the Barbie yeah. movie was going to be. Yeah. Um, I watched, um, I've actually like watched a lot of Broadway shows since I moved to New York. Nice. Since I li- used to live right there in the yeah, district. Yeah, yeah. So when things opened up in 21, it was really easy for me to win lottery tickets. And so, um, yeah, so a couple notable ones, but like yeah. probably the best one for me is actually seeing Hamilton live. Wow. That was really cool. Yeah. I somehow was able to, again, like I said, really new to stuff like I never heard a song never watched on Disney plus and so it was a real treat to finally watch it mm, mm. live in a theater mm. awesome uh, finally started the Mandalorian okay yeah <laughs> that's the probably much, pretty much like the only Disney show I think is worth your time <laughs> that's that's what my friends say that's they said that that's the best one yeah. so I think I'm in 
season. Sorry two. to Loki fans, but yeah, Mandalorian is probably the only show <laughs> worth your time. Um, but but yeah, finally in season two, um, that's been fun. Uh, trying to think what else. Um, I mean, aside from like baseball, basketball, mm. football. I think that's what I've been watching, being disappointed nice. by my Braves in the playoffs again this past year. <laughs> You're so um, loyal. You're still following the Braves. Well, it's easy right now because they're good. Yeah. But yeah, I've been a fan since the early 90s. Sure. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> sweet. Um, I actually, you reminded me. I wrote down this quote from the Barbie movie because it's going to be, I, I'm going to have to use this in a sermon. Okay, I, I, which one? I can't resist. Um, I haven't used it yet, but I wrote it down so I could use it one day. Uh, it's it's near the end where where um, Barbie is she's come to sort of her self awareness and she's basically teaching Ken to to be just as self aware. And she says to him, "You're not your girlfriend. You're not your house. You're not your mink." And he goes, Ken goes, "Beach. You're not even beach." <laughs> Maybe all the things that you thought made you you aren't really you. Huh. Right. Um, and I thought that was such a great quote about our identity and uh-huh. what we put our identity in and how we define our self-worth. Um, that was, I thought that was really cool. And um, one of these days, is gonna, I'm going to have to bust this out in a... In a, in, a, in a sermon. I don't um, remember. What, is, what was the big payoff? Like, what was, but you are. Yeah. You're, so, you're, so you're, you're not, you're not, Ken, you're not, Barbie, you're not, a, like, Barbie is not your worth. It's Ken. And so he, and then he become, I am Kenuff. <laughs> That's how he awakens to that. Right. Um, now, of course, we have our Christian understanding of, sure. um, it's Christ in me. Uh-huh. Right, Christ clothes me with His righteousness, mm-hmm. and so I am. I am in Him, right, and my identity is found in Him, because, because apart from Him, yeah, we do run into how we're not enough. Uh, how uh, me as an individual, I'm not enough to love my wife um, uh, as a as a husband or love my children as a father. But it's but Christ in me empowers me to do that mm-hmm. uh, to be the kind of servant husband I should be and the model father I should be. Mm-hmm. Um, and I need him, his spirit, um, to, to come alive, you know. So the, the, the best gift I can give them is my Christ-likeness, not, not John-likeness. Um, that, that only hurts them. So, yeah, we have our reiteration of this, but, um, but it, the scene is where Barbie kind of helps Ken break out of how he's attached his identity to all sorts of Ken things right. in life, whether it's the beach or right. how he dresses or his girlfriends or whatever it might be. Um, and he's just, just breaking out of deconstructing that for Ken. It was just a, it was a cool scene. What does he call his, um, instead of the Barbie house, what does he call his house again? Oh, the, I don't remember. The Casa. He, something like that. Yeah, yeah, I forget. <laughs> Mojo Dojo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like when um, he takes over, it's just everything except yeah. the way Barbie lives. Yeah. 
I just wrote this. I'd like to write a letter to my students at the end of a semester. And mm. um, I, I guess it's being a pattern now or a tradition. I always pick out a Christmas carol and I'll cool. like exegete. Nice, yeah. A line from there. Awesome. I mean, it's not scripture, but it's like a lot, so many of the it's based, old a lot of his based Christmas on, yeah, carols yeah. Have, have great theology. Yeah, yeah. And um, so the line in... Uh, Oh, holy night, the first stanza where till he appeared and the soul felt its, it's worth. worth. And um, yeah, I think there's so much to, to talk about with that. But yeah, what does That's it mean? Cool. The incarnation of Christ and the worth yeah. that people have. Yeah. Jesus becoming yeah. human, a baby. And taking upon himself humanity to save humanity. Yeah. Um, we who are made in his image only feel our worth mm -hmm. when, uh, whether it be as those created by God or saved by his son, uh, to find our worth in that. Yeah. 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 But how do you yeah. communicate that with, you know, this generation? Yes. Yeah, you know, is that because it could sound like assimilation? It could sound like, mm. well, how is mm. my worth found in Jesus? Mm. How's that for everybody? Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. uh, you know, I'm, as opposed to like that word, yeah. I'm enough, because I'm 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 me, right? Yeah. I'm not Barbie. I'm me, and I'm supposed to find my worth in that. That's which is not, which is not right. That's yeah. not true. So I, I just, uh, yeah, um, yeah, it just reminded me of that. And, yeah, and yeah. Uh, everything that we look for in this time to assuage that which is ultimately not going to satisfy because yeah. the answer is not found here it's not it's right. not right here yeah right it's, yeah uh yeah we're still wrestling with that the 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 good old mulan song <sighs> um when will my reflection show who i am inside uh, kind of that existential struggle we're still Still dealing with that, uh, whether it's in the form of a Disney princess or a Barbie doll um, or a Hollywood movie, um, you know, or even Kung Fu Panda, and he opens up the Dragon Scroll and it's a reflection of himself. Huh. It's like we're still we're still staring into the mirror and and trying to find tr fullness of our meaning, fullness of our glory, fullness of our beauty. But at some point, we gotta realize. Maybe we keep asking that and we keep going back to the same answer because the answer is, isn't there. But it's when we behold our maker, mm. that's when we really see who we really are, mm -hmm. you know. Um, and that's something I need reminder for, you know, every day. Um, and I hope I can remind our people of from, from the pulpit as well. But yeah, um, cool, man. Thanks for joining me. Yeah. Thanks for your time. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Enjoyed let's, it. Let's go get some lunch.